Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to another episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders, let's get right into it. If you are a first-time listener, thank you so much. I am your host, Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the agency Woodshed Agency. See how clever that is? Um, and we do this podcast where we talk to project creators while they're in the middle of a campaign or if a campaign just ended or like in today's episode, if you're launching a platform. So today I'm going to be talking uh, to a, a really special guest and this is going to be a, a very interesting conversation because we're going to be talking to Carter Malloy and we're going to talk about what it's like to launch an equity crowdfunding platform. That's right. What, what, how do you launch a platform? So Carter has created a platform called Acre Trader. And this is if you want to invest and own in farmland um, and own shares of it. So again, this is a... Uh, a business model that has been around for a long, long time, um, you know, uh, and again, it's a fairly safe investment, right? Buying into land, right? Um, we're not making any more. I think that's the old Mark Twain quote out there. So, so we're going to be talking to Carter here in just a little bit. So stay tuned for that if you want to find out what it's like to either invest in farmland or maybe you're a farmer and you want to. Uh, you know what? You want to sign up for his, uh, on his platform and, and maybe sell some shares of your uh, farm. I don't know, man. But uh, yeah, so that's conversations coming up here in just a little bit. So obviously, we want you to stay tuned for that here. So today's a big day. Today's my son's birthday. That's right, Atticus. Happy birthday! He has turned eight years old today. Technically, not until three fourteen, but you know we'll we'll give it we'll let it slide a little bit so so we've got a big day planned he's obviously going to be at school today and we had um uh but I, i'll tell you when did birthdays turn into like a multi-week like a uh, fiasco um you know we had a birthday weekend last weekend we went down friday with my parents house down uh down in dundee area here dundee michigan shout out we got a, my parents got us hotel room and stuff and we went swimming and then they had hung out all day saturday so he had a pretty big weekend there for for his birthday he got a lot of presents uh now we are um after that so then today we've got a whole bunch of stuff planned because today's the actual birthday and then on saturday he's got his birthday party at a zap zone thing so i mean that's that's a lot, right? Is Maybe it was like that for me back in the day. I, I don't remember it. I, I particularly remember just literally having a birthday party and, and maybe at school you do something, right? You bring in some, some cookies or some cupcakes or something at school. I, I think I remember that, but I don't really remember the, um, the full-on every waking moment it is uh, a birthday celebration. So, But whatever, right? It's all fun, all fun, all fun, all fun. What else is going on in the news here? Well, over here at Woodshed Agency, we are still kind of, uh, you know, pivoting a touch. So we've got that going on. We're, we're kind of trying to change up the type of clientele that we're bringing in. And then again, it's just kind of business. We're at that sort of scale point that a lot of people get to where what, what does the future look like? How, how are you building? Uh, what, how, what, you know, what makes you do great projects? So that still is a big, huge conversation around here. And we're, we're slowly putting, putting the pieces together. We've, 
gotten some ideas around how we can scale up this business a little bit more. So that's been exciting around here, um, outside of all the, the birthday stuff. But but past that, it's it's been a pretty, like, just, you know, it's like that moment where, like, man, when is spring going to get here, right? You can feel it. The temperature's getting a little bit warmer. Um, you don't have to be as bundled up. Uh, but that's what's going on around here, right? Right? A lot, a lot of stuff here. So, all right. So if you are a... Uh, a subscriber. First off, thank you. If you're not a subscriber, you got to do me a favor. If this is your first time here, go over to iTunes right now. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, you know, and that way you're getting each episode as we come out with them. That would be huge. And then also make sure you go over to Facebook and YouTube. Follow us there as well because we like to put out these as Facebook Live. So if you don't want to just hear it and you want to actually see me, you want to see the excitement, go over to Facebook and you can watch the interviews as well. Um, and then obviously, if you're thinking about running a campaign, go to woodshed.agency. Go over to consultation setup. Let's have a 20-minute conversation about what you're working on. That way I can maybe point you in the right directions as to, uh, you know, where where what's the right platform for you, all that sort of stuff. So um, go check that out, too. That would be helpful. But um, all right, why don't we go ahead and just kick into my conversation with Carter, uh, and we're going to talk about what it's like to set up your own uh, equity crowdfunding platform. All right, here's my interview. All right. Kick me down, All right, Carter, the uh, red light's on. We are now recording. So let's do a quick sound check before we get into it. Uh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, eggs with some buckwheat and arugula. Really yeah. strange breakfast. <laughs> yeah, that is a strange breakfast. The, the buckwheat, huh? Is that, is that, what, what are you doing with that? Just uh... I Actually, there's I was, I was a restaurant here. I took, took our kids out because they're uh, going to be snowed in from school today. So, so nice. I to uh, go eat, eat a good meal before they're uh, stuck in the house all day long. Right, cool. Awesome. Yeah, get that energy so they're all ready to go all day. Yeah, exactly. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think we're sounding good here. So let's, let's jump right into it. So why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do when it comes to uh, crowdfunding? I think we've got an interesting conversation coming up here. So why don't you tell my listeners what you do? Sure. Yes. I'll start backwards with what we do than, than who, I, who I am or who we are, more importantly. Uh, so the idea of acretrader.com is uh, crowdfunding for agricultural farmland, uh, for agricultural real estate. Uh, so we actually take each individual farm, place it in a unique LLC, then sell shares of that LLC on our platform, acretrader.com. Well, why are we doing that? Uh, farmland historically is one of the most attractive asset classes out there. Uh, not only does it put up a, a great uh, annualized return, it, well, it's great because A, you get rent from the farmer every year. So mm-hmm. typically the farmer pays you rent in March or April before he puts a crop in the ground. So you get one check a year, Default risk is as near zero as it can be, mm-hmm. uh, we think. And, uh, uh, and then you also make money from the appreciation of the land. So, so beyond your annual rent check, uh, every year, historically, uh, the value of land has more or less gone up over time. If you average two of those together, uh, since the index was created in 1990, the annualized returns are about 12%. Wow. Uh, importantly, that's without leverage, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, it is a relatively, because there's no leverage or, or debt on the land, uh, the volatility is just dramatically lower than than a lot of other asset classes out there, sure. and especially any asset class that offers that type of return. Mm-hmm. You just don't see the, the levels of volatility. Uh, so, so that's why we think farmland is such an attractive asset class. Is it's historically been a a, a relative safe haven. It's non correlated to the S and P. You know, mm-hmm. sort of a, outside of the mainstream financial system. However, the the issue is uh, if you want to acquire farmland, 
you got to go out, start with, I don't know, half a million dollars, a million dollars, <laughs> uh, go to a county you've probably never heard of, speak to a broker you've never met and get in the business of, of farming. Uh, <laughs> that is an absolute non-starter for just about anyone that I know. Yeah, uh, probably you as well. That doesn't sound like uh, my week. I'm not going to do that this week. That's that's not. Yeah, a- yeah, exactly. Not not a chance, right? <laughs> right, um, right. And so, so our idea with the platform is to create a really simple mechanism for investors uh, to go on there. Right now, it's accredited investors. Uh, we do anticipate later this year opening up to non-accredited investors as well. And what's and, and for like the my audience out there, what's the difference between those two things? We we don't usually talk about it a lot here because we're a lot in reward based. But what's the difference between accredited and credit investors? Sure, there there are about twelve million people in the U.S. that are accredited investors, and that means that as a single person, you make two hundred thousand a year. As a married family, you make three hundred thousand a year, or you have a net worth of a million dollars outside of your primary residence. So it it does you know slice the population into those that and and the SEC's thinking behind that is. Uh, whether flawed or not, uh, it is those people are, they have a little extra capital to lose if they get into riskier investments. Sure. So most of the world of crowdfunding outside of Kickstarter and, and Seed Invest and a few others, when you're buying actual uh, interests in businesses, uh, as, as opposed to just buying the, the promise of future goods, uh, they, they do require that accreditation with some caveats, uh, you know, basically making the platform more approachable to non-accredited investors, which is our intention uh, in the coming months uh, to, to open that up to everyone. Sure, sure, sure. That's cool. So where did this idea, I mean, where did this start? How did you put together a platform for this? How did you get into this? Uh, I mean, it seems like a pretty niche, uh, you know, niche business model that you're working on here. So how yep. did this all come to come to fruition? Yeah, so I, I'm personally a finance geek. My dad is a farmer. Uh, so <laughs> it's a nice intersection of the two. Uh, and, you know, maybe uh, 18 months ago, two years ago, I don't know, my, my my dad came to me and said, hey, I'm going to buy some Bitcoin. I was like, you idiot. It's $600 for air. Why would you do that? Right. And I talked about it. And of course, it probably went to like 18000 You know, horrible, horrible right. investment. Yeah. Uh, but in that conversation, he said, you know, you're right. There's no asset behind this. If we could create some sort of a coin, uh, you know, backed by a, a tangible asset like farmland. And of course, he's a farmer. I grew up around farmland myself, was born in a farming community. Uh, and He's a, a multi-generational farmer, so I've, I've bought and sold land with him over the years, and so got to thinking on the idea, and you know maybe maybe a year later, put a concrete business plan down and uh, decided to, to to chase after it. So uh, very very excited about what we've what we've built in a, in a fairly short amount of time. Uh, tomorrow is our, our actual official launch date. Oh, nice! Uh, so we take the platform live. So yeah, we're we're very excited to get it out there in the world. We've we've already uh, closed our first transaction, and, and I think we'll quickly begin to fill the next ones on the site. That's great. So what did it take then to, um, to jump into like starting a platform like this? I mean, again, most people are like, I'm just, I have a product I want to launch. They don't build platforms for it. So how, what was right. kind of your steps behind that? Yeah. You know, look, it, it took a big, uh, personal commitment for me in terms of capital and, and time and ultimately opportunity cost, uh, to, to move into this, into this job. Uh, and then since then we've, we are in the process of raising, around the capital for the business to fund the business itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're, we're a team of about 10 right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of time, right? The short answer is yeah. a, a lot of time and, and a good amount of money uh, committed to it to build the actual platform itself. Right. Uh, and, and for us in, in dealing with the transaction sizes we're dealing with, obviously the, the, trans, the, the platform has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. We can't take anything less than perfect live. You know, the, the analogy, a great analogy is the FAA, uh, you know, the, the 
regulates air travel uh, in the U.S. If they have a 99.99% uptime, uptime uh, rate, then people die. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, and with us, it's the same. Like right. We have no margin for error. If we screw up and we lose somebody's money uh, in a transaction uh, or, or you know, expose the platform or do anything wrong, uh, it's over. Sure. And so we, we've been very methodical and cautious uh, as, as we've built the platform to, to make sure to take all those things into account. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, you know, so for you guys, where where do you see this thing kind of going? I mean, um, do you see equity crowdfunding in the space you're playing in as being something that's around for a long time? Do you see it as being a little too niche right now? What, what's kind of the temperature around your conversations internally around around the platform and stuff? So that even yeah. From just equity crowdfunding in general is what I should say. Totally, totally. So, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a lot to unwrap there, right? Equity crowdfunding as a whole, uh, the idea of crowdfunding uh, in, the, in the securities world, the finance world, securitization, mm-hmm. right? The concept of taking something, typically a business, and breaking it into small pieces and selling it uh, is, is the, the core of securitization. Uh, and the Jobs Act 2012 obviously allowed us to, to really open up that field and, and allow the people to, to come in and play. Uh, I, I do worry. There, there's a lot of speculation that goes on in the world of crowdfunding. And, and uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we do have our concerns. We, we see some less than exciting deals going on out there. And there's, there's a frenzy on both sides of the marketplace to bring deals to market on the supply side. And there's a lot of people anxious to invest on the demand side. Uh, and so, you know, that's part of our, our uh, stick, if you will. You know, part of our approach is to try to bring a less exciting, like we're, we're dealing with land. Right? Mm-hmm. It is a boring, it is an absolutely boring asset. Uh, but, it, but we think it's a really great one. And, and that's, that's exciting to us is that, you know, the, the old adage is you make money a teaspoon at a time, you lose it a dump truck at a time. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And, right. and we're just trying to stay away from dump trucks. Uh, <laughs> and there's, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, out, out there in the world of equity crowdfunding, there's some really cool deals, some really cool companies raising money, uh, some really good, you know, in the real estate, uh, platforms out there as well, you know, some, some really great, uh, and attractive investment opportunities. But, uh, with that, you know, come some caveats and some warnings and just sure. always be careful and uh, do your research before putting money into something. Right. Now, are you guys mostly, are you guys going to be focused in on, uh, was it like reg a plus or are you guys doing reg D what, what, is there a focus around what you guys are doing right now? Yeah, right now we're, we're, uh, using reg D, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that's why the accreditation wrap uh, is, is around us. Uh, and we think that's a, a good one for investors to protect them as, as we scale it out. Uh, we do intend on pursuing a Reg A+. Plus. Mm. Uh, and inside of Reg A+, plus, there's Tier 1 and Tier 2 offerings. Right. Uh, the, the Tier 2 offerings to us are, are pretty attractive. Uh, it, there's real regulatory and legal legwork we have to do before bringing those offerings live. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, that, that's good. It's, it's for the protection of the investor, right? And, right. and we we're all about that. So, uh, pending us uh, working through some of those documentation issues, our our idea is at least is one of our first products to bring the market for non-accredited investors to have a an e REIT, mm-hmm. right, where you can come on and just invest a thousand dollars a month, if you will, or right. you know five or ten thousand dollars here or there, and, and get access to the uh, to the asset class of farmland and uh, you know, do so in a, a diversified way inside of a a larger REIT holding sure. a real estate investment trust is what REIT stands for. As I'm sure right. you know, but, mm-hmm. uh, but, but that's basically a fund of, of which in our case would have several different pieces of farmland. In it. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. Now, was there any consideration as you kind of putting this thought together of just, of just um, finding potential offerings and just using through other platforms, or is this niche enough 
that it really needed to sell a platform. So I'll give you an example. I worked on like a medical one on, on over on WeFunder. And on the surface, it seemed like this should be an absolute no-brainer until you realize that uh, crowd, equity crowdfunding and medical whole nother animal than just a brewery or whatever it might be, right? Like a no-brainer where it's like, oh, I might not get my money back for 30 years. You know, who knows how long this thing could, could take. Right. Was there any sort of scenarios along those lines when it comes to like you know, land, equity where you, you know, instead of just going to like a WeFunder, an established platform. And mm-hmm. was there anything like that, that you guys were talking about? I'm, I'm, yeah. Sure. The, the considerations were, were made to, to use out of the box software, to go do it through other platforms. But ultimately we decided we, we wanted to build our own. Uh, we, we want to you know, control the product to make sure that it's, it's uh, as, as professional as possible, uh, as, as well selected as possible. And we're dealing with a multi-trillion dollar asset class, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's 900 million acres of farmland in the United States. It is unfathomably large. Right. Uh, and, and that asset has, has not really been democratized in the way that so many others have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, crowdfunding for businesses is very, very different than what we are attempting to do, right? right. Uh, or what we are doing, rather. What we are doing is, is um, you know, selling the, each LLC owns title, right? You own physical, the LLC owns physical dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're not make, making bets on businesses. Right. And that, that's the, that's the appeal to us is you're owning a, a commodity uh, land where in, in the U S and, and you know, the supply and demand is forever in your favor. The population is growing. The amount of land we have is shrinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, really, really simple economic terms to explain that the value of this has gone up over time or just about any time period you look at historically. And our thesis is that will continue. Right. Uh, we, we need more food. We got more mouths to feed. We're eating more beef, you know, chicken, pork, et cetera. And those things take more and more input. Uh, and the, you know, those inputs, it's soybeans, it's corn, it's grain. We, we grow it on farms. Uh, so right. we're, uh, it, it's just a, it's a very different asset. That, and we, we decided ultimately we need a, a specific platform for this asset. And, it, and it's so big. Sure. Uh, the, both the supply and the demand side of our marketplace that uh, it, it justified building its own uh, platform. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, do you envision that, <clears throat> that that when this thing is fully, you know, fully matured and you you're, you guys are out doing everything you're doing, do you envision that the investors are uh, that's what they mostly invest in is land, farm, that sort of stuff, or do you envision a guy like me, right? Like, I don't know, maybe I'm accredited at some point, and I go, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll swing the bat here. Where, where do you guys kind of envision your investor kind of persona coming from down the road? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the persona, you know, we had our own uh, uh, assumptions, right, as, as, we, <laughs> right. as we started it up and, and started ramping it up. And we haven't been able to identify at all mm-hmm. what that is yet because the, the demand, the, the investor demand has come from so many places. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the farmland is a fairly straightforward asset class and there's you know you can have great dirt or good dirt but it's pretty boring and straight right. straight up right um, yeah. and, and again that's what we we love is, is it's a it's it's not something that the value can go, should go to zero tomorrow right um it, but but the investor profiles they've been all over the board mm. uh and and so uh, you, again we intend to open it up to and our, our hope is we can do it sooner rather than later open up to all investors uh to bring those on but, but yeah it's it's millennials it's old people it's men women uh, you know, varying backgrounds, you know, there, there's a, there are a good amount of doctors and lawyers and dentists and investment professionals and people in investment banking that, that live in big cities. And that's sort of what we thought would be a lot of our core crowd. Uh, but we found a lot of farmers, right? A lot of people that already own a ton of farmland coming on going, wow, this is cool. I own farmland in Mississippi, but I can own some in Illinois, right? Mm-hmm. But the farmers, 
they already understand. And right. if, if you inherit farmland for your for your dad or granddad or grandmother or whoever, you know, you're already sitting on a massive amount of value. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they understand the the appreciation potential of, of farmland. Uh, so we're we're seeing a lot of demand from from those types as well. So Interesting. A long answer to say, a really long answer to say, <laughs> we don't know, but uh, we've been fascinated at the breadth of of investors coming on the platform. Well, I, yeah, I ask that because that's that's for my own inquisitiveness because you know i work a lot with WeFunder. i'm one of their preferred partners for marketing and that we, we really are trying to identify who, who this person is and it's not beautifully laid out with facebook ads right in terms of interest groups or whoever we're targeting it's you know it, it, it goes all over the place it's you know we're trying to find the things that well, what are the cross sectors uh, you know if, if they think about this do they also have the robin hood app or something like that you know is there you know what, what are these like uh, you know the, what's the gold post here that we're playing in and it seems like it's just all over the place which makes it quite challenging as a as a marketing guy right trying to right yeah trying to dive in and be like all right if they like this they'll like this I, you know I, marketing to a 65 year old guy who likes farm and a millennial is there might not be Man, much crossover. You have uh, you you've nailed it. And I'm sure our marketing guys will, will see this, but you know it's the frustration of their day. We've got a couple of professional marketers, online marketers. This is all they do, and they're you know they're they are extremely specific, you know, sort of data science uh, data scientists in their in their approach. And yeah, it's it's frustrating for them, yeah. right? Because they're just like we 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 keep chasing these personas, and and then right. you know out of left field this person this this idea of a person shows up we never thought would be right. an investor and you know they, they cost fifty thousand dollars into a farm it's just right, uh, right. It's, it's that's that's funny now is there a certain like types of farms that you're going after or, or how can how does like a farmer get involved you know i don't know my parents have some farmland out in the middle of uh, michigan here like could they be a part of this how, how does that happen yeah great tell them to call us uh <laughs> So, so yeah, right now we're focused on row crops. Uh, okay. So, so that's, uh, you know, the, the difference being there, there's row crops, there's permanent crops, there's orchards, uh, permanent crops, like think things like, uh, I think almond trees or pistachios, they offer more income, uh, but with higher risk, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you get a drought or you get a bad freeze, you know, th- those types of things kind of pretty material impacts on, on, uh, what you're doing or, or orchard farms where, you know, it may take a, a country 10 or 15 years to be productive. Right. Uh, and so right now we're, we're focused on the really simple, uh, commodity row crops, which there's upwards of 300 million acres of in the U S. So again, a, a really big market, but yeah, that's, that's corn, soybeans, wheat, rice, so, sorghum, those types of, uh, products. Uh, and, and you asked a great question of how do we work with the farmers? It's something we're, we're really excited about is we bring a lot of value to the farmers that we work with, um, in, in a couple of primary capacities. And we, we have some content on the site to help them understand this, but, uh, one and most importantly, and most obviously is we're a source of capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and there's farmers and there's farm owners, and sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're not, right? Right. They're 40, 40% of U.S. farmland, almost 40%, is absentee-owned, meaning it's uh, dad or grandma or brother and sister, you know, wh- whoever that owns it, that's not actually out there planting and, and reaping harvest uh, or, or, you know, t- uh, selling crops and things like that. So they, they, they get cash rent. It's a very similar situation to how we, how we work with farmers. Uh, but, but in terms of farmers and farm owners, uh, to both the answers we we the most media answers we offer uh, uh, access to capital. Mm-hmm. So if if you were a farmer, I'll give you a live example. Uh, we have a farmer in Northern Illinois. Uh, he's already a well-established farmer. He's young, progressive, doing some really cool things to improve soil health. Uh, and he he has a, a relatively large farm that he works on. His neighbor uh, is is about to sell a, a 
a portion of his farm. This guy says, hey, I, I want to go farm on that land. I've only got access to a million dollars of capital for the bank. It's, the deal is bigger than that. Can mm -hmm. you bring on investors to help me out? Uh, and it's a win-win for him because he gets access to this land that may otherwise be sold to someone else where right. he couldn't lease, lease this neighboring land and get economies of scale. Uh, and uh, and so, you know, to our investors, they get an attractive rent. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm happy to pay you. Uh, an attractive rent to you guys because for me I, i'm literally next door you know <laughs> running up and down the rows uh, right. farming this land so it's easier for me to come over there and, and uh, work on this ground too that's interesting that's interesting. It, it, wow that's that's fascinating so let's flip over a little bit to just like the entrepreneur side of you so like was this something that you always had this vision of of taking your you know your love of finance into sort of starting your own business running your own platform is this something that you've always kind of had in the back of your mind yeah, I, you know, I, I'm sure many Americans, if not most, do. Right? That's that's the that's the American dream is to go yeah. build a successful business and, uh, you know, ultimately employment and uh, taking care of your your family that way. Right. Uh, and and so so yes, uh, it was always a, a, a itch in the back of my head. So uh, the the quick backstory about me, and I'll get back to the, the more interesting thing, which is the business. <laughs> um, so I uh, came to uh, school here at the University of Arkansas, where I currently live, uh, 1999. I uh, got a useless degree in physics, then went on to, uh, uh, after school, I was pursuing music professionally and played a band and toured for a few years. And while I did that, we had a, uh, a business we, we really enjoyed. Uh, and it really helped to spark that entrepreneurial pursuit for me. And I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. My, my parents were both entrepreneurs. So, uh, so uh, after, after that, though, I had a really great opportunity to go be a research analyst at a an investment bank called Stevens. It's a middle market bank, maybe a thousand employees. Uh, and so I, I wrote equity research for them, which, which means more or less I was a consultant for mutual funds and hedge funds and uh, investors and investor 401k and your IRA, things like that. Right. So, mm -hmm. so my, my area of specialty was digital marketing, uh, uh, data and analytics and, and mortgage processing it sort of dovetails nicely into the current business right. we're, we're working on. Uh, so I did that for seven years uh, and then had a great opportunity to, to join some friends on the West Coast. Uh, they were starting up a, a long, short equity hedge fund. Uh, so I joined those guys and a really awesome team of, of people out in San Francisco. So I spent the last five plus years in, in, uh, working with those guys. Uh, and then uh, just, just recently, as of December, basically, I'm now a full-time employee of Acre Trader. So mm. uh, I went to pursue this full-time and, nice. and really, really excited to, to ramp up the business. Nice. And what did you, like, what was some of your mindset around building your team and stuff? I think that's challenging for a lot of people running any sort of startup right now and, and doing crowdfunding. How, how did you put the team around you? What were you looking for? What assets and, and stuff were you looking for from team members? Sure. So, you know, first and foremost, I'm not, if we're gonna, this is going to be aired, I'll, I'll use a kinder word. There's the no jerks rule, you know, which is <laughs> yeah. just, you, you have to work with good people. Uh, yeah. and, and I've been really fortunate in my career to work in some great companies that, that, always adhered closely to that rule and, and we're doing the same so strictly mm -hmm. only allow great uh, uh great uh people in the office mm -hmm. uh, so so that that's first and then what we really look for uh is um curiosity intellect and, and hard work right yeah. and we're we have so much work to do that it's 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 an intense work environment uh and and so we've got to make sure people are willing to come in early and work late uh, and really put in the hours to, to build what we need to build. Uh, and the curiosity for me has always been something that's, that's really important. I, you know, in the interview process, I want to understand what, what books people have read, what's, what's something they've dug into recently and, and been interested in. They, they spent time studying mm -hmm. that was not involved with, not related to their work. 
And, and ultimately, the, the reasoning behind that, in, in my mind, I mean, it's probably flawed, but, but the idea being that if someone has interest and they go dig and they go find answers, they're going to be great problem solvers in the office. Right. Uh, and, and that's the kind of people we need. You know, identifying a problem is not good. Right. Identifying a problem and presenting solutions and or, and or actually you know, finding and executing on the solution is ideal. Right. Uh, and, and, I, and, and to me, it's important that someone is curious enough to go dig and, and go explore and, and create solutions. Sure, sure. What's keeping you up at night right now? <sighs> it's, it's a long list, so I'm just trying to think of uh, how, to, how to prioritize it. Uh, you know, one is, uh, you know, I built the business uh, personally, and, and now we're, we're uh, looking at, you know, taking on some, some external capital to fund the company. Uh, that's a new level of, of stress and, and mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, you can make a bad bet yourself, you know, and, and lose your own money is, <laughs> is stressful enough. But then when you start thinking about doing it for other people that you, especially in, my, in our case where it's our advisors and our investors are our friends, they're great people, you know, they're, they're successful business people. And uh, the, the potential of losing their money is, is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and, and so I, I think that's probably the top of the list. It's just making sure that we, us as hard as we can. We execute against the plan uh, to, uh, you know, to prove this out for our investors. And, and that's both in the business and, and now also the investors in farmland, right? Sure. You know, the, the supply side, making sure we identify top quality farms at a, at a great value uh, that, that we feel comfortable our investors, our, our website users uh, are going to be able to uh, reap the long-term rewards of. That's also extremely important. That's cool. So you mentioned that your the public launch is this week. You said right. That's right. Uh, Tuesday, tomorrow. Tuesday. Tomorrow. Okay. What What does that entail? What does that mean? You know, how do you guys internally talk about a, a public launch? Is there you guys like on product hunt? Is there anything that's coming with it? What What are you guys doing to launch? I, I think mo- it, mostly it's an internal rule. It just says there's no going back once we're here, <laughs> right? So it, as we've been in build mode and integrating new payment processing and, and new technology on the back end, you know, we've the last you know month or so the, the site has been working perfectly fine, uh, but we always had this excuse of well we'll go back and make this a little better and we can fix it later, and we set this deadline for ourselves to say all right after this deadline right all systems go no matter what, uh, and so uh, and, and then also it does mean that we'll start to put more resources into marketing. Uh, you know, right now, we've marketing has been a test and learn. Uh, and, and as you are familiar with, and, and you know, whether it's Facebook, Google, Bing, uh, affiliate marketing, all, all those various avenues, uh, you, you've got to spend some time uh, opening and closing the dials and turning the knobs just, just slightly to see yep, yep. what works and what doesn't. And so we've been doing a lot of that test and learn. And uh, after tomorrow, it's time to open up the, the spigot and uh, go ahead and uh, push some real dollars out there to drive yeah. some traffic to the platform. That's cool. Now, you, you mentioned marketing a little bit. What are some of the handcuffs that you have because of being a platform and SEC regulations? What, what are some of the things that you have to kind of work around? Because um, I think that's important. Uh, a lot of my conversations, people don't know that that's actually even a thing, right? That they're just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, no, no, no. There's, there's only certain things we can and can't say that I got to walk them through that. But, but for our listeners, like, what, what are some of the things that you have to kind of be cautious of uh, when you're going out to market? Yeah. I, I think some of those things are just one, be careful, right? Qualify things and, and make sure you explain very clearly upfront at, at every opportunity possible. There is the, the risk of loss of capital. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, histor- the history does not, uh, is not always necessarily indicative of, of what the future is going to be, right? The returns have always have, have looked great over many periods of time, but if you buy today and sell in one year, you know, there is a real or three years or 20 years, right? There's still a risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, 
you know, for us, it's something that we, we spend an inordinate amount of time and focus on is, is, is communication and making sure that we, at every step along the way, say very loudly and clearly, hey, look, all this looks great, uh, but, you know, let, let's just, everybody just do your homework, yeah. read and be careful, right? right. And, and so we, we, we uh, radical transparency is, is a cultural mission of ours. I'd say two things we care about most. And one is uh, being business tomorrow. Uh, and so every day we come to work, we, we, everything we do is to make sure that, that we're in business tomorrow. Uh, and, and two is radical transparency and make sure that we show people internally and externally anything they could want to see. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a long-winded, long-winded way to say like both staying in business and transparency require that we show people anything uh, and everything that we're thinking of and the numbers and how, how it all works. And, and, and the, in those communications, you know, again, under promise over delivers is a good way to be. So sure. uh, on the, on the site, for example, we, we show people, Hey, look, you know, here's your the current yield on farmland, whether it's 3% or 4% or whatever the number is uh, just the cash component. Uh, is relatively low because commodity prices are, are depressed. We're in the middle of trade wars. Uh, there's been other, you know, we had really great weather for several years in a row, so we've had bumper crops. Uh, so commodity prices are depressed. We just assume that those prices stay low. I, I think it's you know, fairly safe to say, if you if you look at history, commodity prices go up over time and, and sometimes do so in a pretty uh, aggressive manner. But if we just assume they stay low, we don't overpromise on that side, and we don't overpromise on the land appreciation side. Then, you know, we we come we pencil out, hey, look, we, we are expecting annualized returns in the high single digits. You know, yep. those could be negative. You know, those could be a lot higher. Historically, they've been 12. Uh, so our, our hope and intention is that we always under-promise and over-deliver, and espe- especially if we acquire high-value land at a cheap valuation, then we really should be able to over, over-deliver. Sure. Uh, but again, a long-winded say, way to say, be extremely cautious, right? Be very, very forward in every communication uh, and, and make sure to uh, under-promise uh, at, at every step. That's cool. Yeah. How does, um, for your business model, how does climate change affect your overall pitch decks, conversations? How does that play into it at all? Or does it play into it? Yeah, totally. Uh, So it it, it does affect farmland, right? In in fact, uh, there's, as you move north, right, there's more stuff like in your area, for example, you know, you can grow crops a little, the season's a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Uh, that, That affords you some additional opportunities. You know, unfortunately, unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know how to say it, but, <laughs> right. but you know, there are some winners and there are some losers uh, as, as there are in, in most industries mm-hmm. uh, from, from climate change. And so uh, part of that is it opens up more farmland as you go up. Part of it is it's, uh, you know, can be bad for, for farmland in, in really hot climates. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or importantly, uh, in, in this may be most importantly, rainfall, right? In, in, in places where rainfall or water rights or, or water access are an issue, uh, that can create some some very material problems. Uh, we water something we don't talk about, but something we think about every day. Mm. Um, something we have to be hyper hyper careful of as as uh, farmers is to make sure to only uh, acquire farms where we know there's water. We know there's going to be water for a long time. Right. Right. Uh, so an example of an affected region would be uh, northern Texas, uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, or and some of even. Uh, Nebraska and South Dakota are on what's called the Ogallala Aquifer. Mm. Uh, and this is more human use than it is climate change, but, but the, the two ultimately uh, you know, influence and play right. together. Uh, that aquifer is, is being depleted at a rate that is uh, far more rapid than the replenishment cycle from rain every year. Uh, and so buying farmland on top of that aquifer is a non-starter for us. It, mm. it, in most cases, 
South Dakota, there's actually places where it's, it's great, but, uh, but especially think about the panhandle of Texas. There's some really great farms out there and they may even be at a really good price in, in 10 years. They may not be farms at all. Right, and maybe right. they may be farming dust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't mean to be uh, exaggerated. Maybe it takes a lot longer than that, but, yeah, but, but in 10 years, in 10 years, you can see, Oh man, we made the well another hundred feet deeper and the, the, the water's trickling out here. Right. This, right. Is, this is dangerous. So. Interesting. That's interesting. Now, are you anticipating at some point, are, are you, actually I should ask, are you just U S only right now for farms? And we, stuff? Are, we are U S only right now. And do you envision at some point adding in a Canada or Mexico or something along those lines or sure. is that bigger? I don't know. I'm sure the legal side has to be uh, a, a big, big issue in that sort of world. Right. Sure, it already is, right? Yeah. It's a total quagmire. Uh, both, uh, you know, farming laws, corporate laws, security right. laws, uh, real estate laws—the things we deal with. Um, but that's just part of doing business. That's that's okay. And look, the more the more complex it is for us to execute, the harder it is for the next guy to copy our, our business plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to give you a peek on the inside of what we do, it is really really hard. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's 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 our business, right? The whole, the whole idea for us is take something that's highly complex and make it. A few clicks of a button uh, for for the user and they can invest, right? You right. think our business is hard? Think about what Amazon does every day. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm sorry, I'm off topic. <laughs> we we do hope to open up to other uh, to other countries in the future. We want to make sure those countries have extremely clear and uh, and owner friendly title laws. Right. Uh, you know, so so stepping into there's some really really great farmland in Africa, for example, some really cool opportunities to make huge returns also super dangerous right? uh you know venezuela i'm sure you can buy some farmland really cheap there the government can come take it from you at a, right. at a moment's notice so uh so we have to be cautious of those things and there's such an, an enormous opportunity in the u.s we yeah. we're uh you know some of the best farming land in the entire world is here uh and and there's hundreds of millions of acres of it so right. we got a, we got a really big opportunity in front of us right how about the on the investor side can they invest do they have to be just u.s only or can they be anywhere in the world uh, right now, U.S. only. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So very, very cool. we, we we can and, and hope to have uh, solutions for for inter- some inter- some countries internationally to invest mm-hmm. in the future. But but currently, we're, we're focused on the U.S. What, market. What are some of the hangups behind the scenes on the platform side as to why it has to be U.S. only, or you know, or you know, your you know European people can invest? But some of the hangups behind that. Yeah, one the laws here are just clear. Well, mostly clear and cut and mm-hmm. cut and dry, uh, and so we're. Uh, we're a lot less likely to run afoul of regulations and laws in, in, in the country we're, we're native to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think that's first, you know, going back to that be a business tomorrow, the day we, you know, go try to do something in France or take some money from Saudi and Spain and, and the government comes along and says, no, 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 uh, you know, we're, we could be in really big, uh, big trouble and, and risk our business for that. So, uh, so I think that's something that, you know, we're just hyper cautious of as we continue to build out our legal team and we find that some of those places are, are, you know, highly approachable. Uh, mm-hmm. then, then we'll, we'll explore further. But, but for now, it's uh, stick to your knitting and, and you know, do what you know best. Right, right. So what, I guess, walk me through what you guys envision, maybe like the next six to nine months look like. What, you know, what, what are some of the hurdles you see happening? What are some of the opportunities that you see coming down the pipeline? Where, where do you guys see the next nine months to a year, whatever it might be, look like? Sure. You know, the, the, the most obvious is on any two-sided marketplace, it's a seesaw. Right. On, on one side, we've got the supply of farmland. On the other side, we've got the demand from the investors. Uh, making sure that we're always well in front of, of an imbalance uh, is, is really important. Uh, and so right now, we're running around like, like you know, madmen, madwomen, uh, identifying, you know, farmland. We're, we're seeing 
an unbelievable amount of parcels and and ideas, but we've got to really work hard to dig into those, and make sure that we only uh, acquire good or the best land we see. Uh, likewise, on the demand side, we've got to make sure to to scale appropriately uh, and uh, and to make sure that we have the resources on on staff to to speak to those investors and mm-hmm. uh, get them ramped up on the product, both the value proposition, crowdfunding, and how that works uh, in our asset, which is farmland. And, you know, most people are. Everybody knows farm, you know, you know farmland from when you're a tiny child, right? Right. For, first noise both my kids made was a moo, you know, or what, what sound does the cow make? So, right, right. Uh, you know, so um, it, it's, uh, but, but still, there's, there's a lot of education involved on both sides. So I think that's uh, a big part of what we're doing in the next six to nine months. Uh, beyond that is also just building out, continuing to build out the platform, add feature functionality, mm-hmm. and, and add new products. So add new types of farmland, uh, the REIT. Uh, we're working on a, a secondary marketplace for trading. Uh, mm. So getting, getting all those things set up are uh, going to be what, what consumes a lot of my time anyways, is thinking about product and, and evolving the product. Sure. And how about like, let's go out even farther. What's on the whiteboard for five years from now or something like that? I mean, where do you see, where, and just in general, where do you see equity crowdfunding in five years? I mean, I talked to very few people on the inside of this stuff. So like, but what, where do you see it going? Do you see it becoming the equivalent of a Kickstarter at some point, or do you still see it, you know, being still niche? Like where do you see five years from now for this? Sure. Um, we, we think the market is large enough. We could, we could be bigger than any of the companies out there. And, and mind you, all the companies out there should be bigger as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, for, for us, the, the idea in five years, uh, you know, to, to, to be cavalier and, you know, aggressive in the statement is to, to democratize the, the farmland buying and selling process. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, it's a multi-trillion dollar asset class. It is yeah. absolutely enormous, uh, and it's a it's a sector of the economy that has not advanced well. So we, we think if we can be a part of, of digitization of that sector, uh, it's it's a win-win for both sides of the marketplace for the the supply side, the farmland, as, as well as for the investors. Uh, so that's we're that that's the, that's the big picture for us. And that's something we're really excited about. And if we execute properly, and uh, you know we uh, grow responsibly. Uh, and, and don't try to get out over our skis. We, we think we can build something incredibly larger. That's awesome. Well, where can people learn more? How do they dive into your world? Where do they go? Where do you want them to go? AcreTrader.com. Oh. You know, Acre, A-C-R-E, Trader, T-R-A-D-E-R, AcreTrader.com. We have tons of educational material on there. We've, we've got a, a knowledge center, a blog that we actively write on and continue to, continue to post on. But there's some really great overviews there, uh, like the four investor section of our website hmm. shows you the historical performance and, and how it works. Uh, and then there's a deep, deep dive hot works page where you can, you know, understand the, the various mechanisms behind the scene uh, of, of how we actually execute each of these transactions and, and make it so that it's rock solid, you know, bound and tight uh, for the investor that they've got the proper uh, protections in place. That's cool. Well, Carter, I appreciate you taking time out of your day, man. This is a great conversation. Unbelievable platform that's coming. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited to, to keep my eye on what you're working on down there. So uh, Thanks, Jeff. this seems like a very, 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 very unique business model. It's awesome. So uh, again, everybody go check it out. Um, if you have any questions, obviously I'm assuming reach out, send a message Please. to the website and uh, yeah, I, I wish you guys a lot of luck and, and, and have a great launch day tomorrow <laughs> um, Thanks, and, Jeff. Uh, and go hit a home run, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. We appreciate your time. We'll talk soon. All right. How about that conversation? I told you it was, it was a fantastic one. So Carter, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, uh, to chat with us. And, uh, very intrigued with this platform. Uh, uh, this is one that's going to keep my eye on here as a, uh, as a marketing guy, because I think there's going to be some, uh, some very intriguing potential here. Uh, all right. The song we're listening to is a song called tie me down. 
Uh, I think it was off the old Sugar Roses collection. Again, something you guys have never heard. But again, if you're a listener right now, if you're listening, you get to listen to some music, right? You get to listen to some songs that uh, that I wrote. So, uh, all right, guys. Hope you all hope you guys all have a great week, and uh, I'm gonna talk to you all next week. I can feel you. I can break through. It's been a cold day. It's been a cold night. I can feel you, but I can break through. And every time I think about the words you say, they're just not right. Cause they're so misleading, and I can't believe them. I'm so afraid of waking in the middle of the night alone.
all right, I'll be all, I'll be all right.